Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you, as always, by InsideThePenguins.com. And a happy opening day to all of you that love misery, like Horwat and I do, because we're Pittsburgh Pirates fans, and we're ready for another summer of, well, maybe a little bit better. Nice nice mug there for those watching on Inside the Penguins from, from Nick Horwat with the the best logo the Pittsburgh Pirates have had. Honestly, ah, you know what? No, I like the square yellow. Yep. Looked like piece of plywood with uh, I don't I don't know what it's called. So the actual I mean, like human faces they used were also yeah. much nicer. Uh, yeah. Uh, but happy opening day to all the Pirates fans out there. Obviously, both me and Horowat do partake in Pirates fandom, which is what keeps us humble, <laughs> and what kept us humble when the uh, Steelers and Penguins were winning championships. And now, uh, ooh, it is a wow. dark day in Pittsburgh, as it's turned out to be. Uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins had a bad loss to the Detroit Red Wings on Tuesday. We're not going to talk much about that because at this point in the season, obviously, the Penguins' most important game is the next one ahead of them. They didn't get any help on Wednesday evening either, as both the Florida Panthers and New York Islanders were able to snatch a victory. And the Penguins are back in action later this evening to try to get back on the right track against the Nashville Predators, the start of a three-game homestand at PPG Paints Arena. But where we're going to start in this episode is with Tristan Jari, because he has not played since the Penguins' 5-2 win over the Colorado Avalanche last Tuesday. DeSmith, on the other hand, had played the last three games, they were riding the hot hand is what Mike Sullivan said when they put Casey DeSmith in on Tuesday against Detroit. And it's fair to say that he cooled off pretty, pretty substantially in that game. Yeah. Uh, the Penguins are in a quite a pickle. Um, it's, it's either Casey DeSmith who is Casey DeSmith. Let's just be honest. He had a couple of good games and you know what? He looked better than Tristan Jari for a little while or your other options, Tristan Jari, who you don't know what you're getting game after game on it's the same situation for both goalies and this is not an ideal situation it, it i i don't uh i i i pity uh mike sullivan for his choice he has to make every game well yeah the goaltending has not been phenomenal for the pittsburgh penguins all season long and the question i want to ask this because i expect tristan jari to be between the pipes tonight against nashville if he's not then it speaks more towards what type of injury he's facing that he's not able to start games. Mm -hmm. I don't Absolutely. think if he's backing up, I would imagine at this time of the year, if he's backing up with how important these games are, that he's probably healthy enough to play. So he should be healthy enough to start. Yeah. You know what? At this point, he should, if he's healthy enough to be a backup, he should be healthy enough to be started considering what he went through last season. Yeah. He wasn't fully healthy to finish off the season. Uh, the regular season for what it's worth and whatever happened in there. And those last few games he played before fully being taken out. Um, and then it, game seven uh, with a broken foot, basically. It's yeah. If he's willing to go that far and the team is willing to put willing to push him that far, I'm not saying we're in a game seven situation, but every game from here on in, the last, I think we have eight left. Yep. Uh, those last eight are going to be just as important as a playoff game because sure the Florida Panthers cooled off quite a bit in the last few games they won last night to pull within a point of us the Islanders also won their second straight to now be five points ahead of us mm -hmm. um, we got some catching up to do we have to fend off the Panthers as much as possible 
catching the Islanders is possible with two games in hand. But as always and as usual, you have to win those games in hand. And mm. that includes that game in hand. We have a game in hand against the Panthers tonight. I know Nashville is in the same sort of boat, maybe a little below us, but this is going to be a... They're not going to be an easy target. That's the long and the short of it, no matter who we're playing. They're not going to be easy targets. It's uh, going to be quite an adventure, too. I mean, like I said, Nashville is... uh, They're three points out of a playoff spot. They're three points behind Winnipeg, and if you know anything about what Winnipeg's been doing, their head coach is unhappy, uh, you know... Does Mike Sullivan need to bring that sort of angry energy into the Penguins' locker room? It's a question that can be asked, but uh, for now, Nashville's got some fighting to do. It's an uphill battle for them, but um, yeah, the Penguins are in the same boat. They both have 82 points. There's the similarities. It's time to... Both these teams want to wake up a little. Both of these teams want to prove that they can be something, and the Penguins need to prove it more. Yeah, uh, they really need to get things going here in the last eight games of the season if they want to make the Pittsburgh, if they want to make the Stanley Cup playoffs. Uh, my question for Jari then becomes, with eight games left, we expect him to potentially be the starting goaltender later this evening against the Predators. Does his future in Pittsburgh ride on his performance in these final eight games? Because his contract's up at the end of the season. We've talked about it basically every episode for the past month. Do you think that his performance in this last two weeks of the season determines whether or not he becomes the Penguins' goaltender of the future once again. I would assume so. I would definitely assume so, because if he flunks the test and they miss out, uh, then, yeah, that's that's that on both of them, honestly. But if he passes the test and we get in, I would say there's still another test on the horizon. Uh, but mm-hmm. as of right now, I mean, it pretty it very much does hinge on these next eight games. Definitely starting there with that starting point and then uh, seeing what happens. It's gonna Everyone's going to take it a game at a time, uh, but I, I, I'm curious to know how much scoreboard watching goes into this time of year, especially for these guys. For some of them who have never been in a position like this, or you know, only have once or twice given uh, how 2015 turned out. Uh, this is a... Mm-hmm. New kind of new territory for a lot of this team. So I'm curious to know how much of these guys are looking around the league. I know obviously they're focused on what is in front of them, but um, you see Florida win last night. Now you have their point on you. And yeah, their schedule isn't easy, uh, but they beat one of the teams that we said on the last episode is one of their hardest opponents. So they're proving to be able to do something. And it's a matter of, Stepping up. Oh, sorry. Florida does play tonight. I forgot. They have a back-to-back. Florida plays tonight in Montreal. That's, again, like I said, I know no opponent is easy, but they have the easier test tonight than the Penguins do. Yeah. uh, The good thing for the Pittsburgh Penguins and for Tristan Jari is in this final stretch of games, Jari has a 5-1-2 record against the teams remaining on the schedule. The only teams he hasn't played are the Detroit Red Wings and the Chicago Blackhawks. So he's performed well against a lot of these teams. The three losses come combined against the Boston Bruins, of course, and the New Jersey Devils, who the Pittsburgh Penguins have just struggled against in general this season. So they need him to perform well. 
they need he needs himself to perform well in order to get the money that he wants this offseason. The last question I'll ask, and it doesn't have to be a long-winded answer, if he plays well to get the Penguins in the playoffs, like we just talked about, if he, say, stands on his head and he is one of the primary reasons, because he's not going to be the sole reason, but if he's one of the primary reasons why the Penguins make the playoffs, but he doesn't perform in the postseason once they get there, is that also a, I'm moving on from you type of performance? Most likely. Uh, yeah, I would say most likely. Because... Like we mentioned, getting to the playoffs is one thing. Winning a round is a whole nother. If we get in and lose for the sixth straight sixth. sixth straight season in the first round, sweeping changes are coming. It regardless, it doesn't really matter who we're facing or who or how we get in. It's a matter of winning at that time of year. I th- mm-hmm. I at least think that no matter what happens, uh, sorry, not no matter what happens, but if we lose in the first round or if we don't make it the outcome is the same it's going to be the same outcome and let's be real if we make it in sure we're all confident in certain things going the correct way we're all fans and hoping that the right players show up at the right time Sidney Crosby carries the team maybe like we're discussing Tristan Jari steals the series steals the show sure we're all hoping for that but we are all all of us are very much not expecting that so Mm -hmm. I think either way, the outcome is going to be the same. Um, and that part of that outcome includes uh, Tristan Jari being on his way out. That's mm-hmm. It's getting to that point. It, it's, you have, and, and I don't know who you can find in, in, for another goalie. Might just have to make a deal. Might have to make a trade because the free agent market isn't looking ideal. So No, it is not. Uh, you have to play smart. And first of all, step one is on let's say we miss out season ends on april 13th april 14th or 15th i would expect a new general manager to get announced also yeah but uh, that's a bridge to cross when we get there and uh, for now uh, i say yeah that is what you found okay (laughs) for now um i would expect that winner winner lose uh the regular season here where the results going to be the same this summer Yeah, Uh, I I think one of the interesting things also, a conversation that we can have in the offseason is look at a lot of the Eastern Conference competitors and and all of the contenders. They've really started to switch their goaltending around much more so than in years past. I mean, you look at the the Carolina Hurricanes, it seems like they're on a different goaltending path season by season. You look at the Toronto Maple Leafs. They cut bait with Freddie Anderson a couple years ago. They cut bait with Jack Campbell last year. Now they bring in Samsonov and Murray. You look at the Bruins. Yes, Tuka Rask retired, but they went with Swayman and Allmark. And you look at the Capitals. They cut bait on their two young goaltenders. So it might just be the way of the land at this point that Tristan Jari, unless he's able to pull out dominant performances both in the regular season and then in the postseason, that might be the writing on the wall. I, I think we all agree that the Penguins can't bring back both of these goaltenders next season. Uh, if Jari is back, Casey DeSmith can't be the backup. And if Casey DeSmith is back, Tristan Jari can't be the starter. So changes are coming, but I think it's fair to say that it is now or never for Tristan Jari. He certainly will not hurt his chances uh, if he goes out there and plays poorly. Because I think at this point, the the opinion of the fan base, at least the overwhelming majority, is that they need something new there, and Tristan Jari is not above criticism by far. But let's move over and talk about somebody that is being criticized heavily, and and for good reason, and that's Mikhail Granlund. 
Since coming to Pittsburgh on March 2nd, Mikhail Granlin, in 13 games played, has scored only three points, one of them being a goal. Uh, his experiment on the line with Evgeny Malkin quickly got shut down by Mike Sullivan on Tuesday. And by quickly, I mean by the end of the first period, Mikhail Granlin was no longer on the second line alongside Evgeny Malkin and Jason Zucker. Can this revenge spot for Granlin, because that's what it is if you want to call it that. I don't know if we can necessarily call it that with every single player that gets traded just because of how much player movement there is in every professional sport now. But it's technically, by sports definitions, a revenge spot for Mikhail Granlin going up against the Predators, a team that traded him just three weeks ago. Uh, I don't think it will. Uh, that's right, we played them just before the trade. I was like, didn't they also already play? No, just before the trade they played. Um, mm-hmm. That's right, because there was the joke of uh, Hextall has seen enough from Grandland. He wants some. Um, yeah, he had two breakaway opportunities on Tristan Jari, missed the net on one, and then put a muffle on the net in the other. And so far, that tracks with his time in Pittsburgh. Yeah, and there was something about that last game that just stunk, right? <laughs> something about that Detroit game that just left a bad taste in everybody's mouth. He went from having zero shots in the previous two games to looking to refuse to shoot at every opportunity he had, right? Was that the yeah. big... He had four shots on goal. Did you know that? Yeah, how many of those were muffins that he whiffed on? It just trickled in on Alex Nadelka. Exactly. I mean, it, for, it was, what, the first five minutes? It was a three-on-two. He had a great opportunity, and it looks like he was playing shuffleboard on the deck of a, a Carnival Cruise Line, not shooting an actual ice hockey puck. Yeah, it, it certainly doesn't seem like he took four shots. I, it's quite baffling this it's quite baffling he has three points like you said two of them came in one game and then one of them came against the capitals so there's some spread there there is some distance between those points Mm -hmm. oh we pay him next year too although the thing about this is if we're stuck with him at least until the start of next season right he has to prove himself to be worth anything to trade out of because he doesn't have a clause or anything he's a dealable player but (laughs) But, yeah, but a $5 million for two more a year player that there's going to be a very limited number of teams that are going to be like, yeah, sure, I'll take that. Exactly. It's it's much like how Brock McGinn and Kasperi Kapanen this year were dealable players, but who wanted them, really? I mean, yes, we have answers in Anaheim and St. Louis. St. Louis, by the way, surprisingly. But uh, it that that's it's still, though, it's, it's a matter of we don't know who actually wants this player. Hey, if Hextall says that so many teams wanted him during, you know, in the past few deadlines, like I, I said this, I think then call him up, call them up, see what if if he's telling the truth there and saying those other teams wanted him. And again, this might even go toward the next GM this summer. Call them up, call up who exactly those teams are and say, do you still want him? Well, let's figure something out here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't see this whole revenge game having any kind of meaning or having any sort of adding any juice to it um it's he's just in a bad spot he's in a he's he's in by in a bad spot i mean the penguins are in a bad spot not getting much yeah yeah he doesn't shoot very often and when he does it's rarely ends up being a quality shot on goal he has 21 shots in 13 games as a member of the pittsburgh penguins 1.6 shots per game uh, is what that equates to. And even when he's shooting, like I said, not many great shots. 4.8% shooting percentage, his only goal. 
against the Philadelphia Flyers in in that route where it seems like everybody on Pittsburgh uh, was going to score a goal he, that game. He scored so in not garbage a great, time too. He was like the last one. Yeah. Yeah, it's not a great start for Mikhail Granlin in Pittsburgh. Obviously, we don't wish the worst upon him. We hope that he's yeah. able to, you know, realize his potential. It would be great for the Pittsburgh Penguins if he did. Just kind of throw it back to Minnesota days. I know Jason Zucker is kind of sticking his neck out there for him because they used to play together, but it's coming to the point where I know it's only 13 games, but looking at what the Penguins situation is now looking at what his contract is looking at the performance all encompassing over the past three weeks it is shaping out in my eyes that Mikhail Granlin is the worst trade deadline headliner of the Crosby era there's always that one guy that you say okay you know that was that was the main acquisition this year it's Mikhail Granlin and I feel like there and I went back through there are not very many others that are even on that level, and I honestly think there's nobody that's worse. Derek Broussard comes to mind right away. 2018, yeah, but the only thing about Derek Broussard that I noted was he also had a $5 million cap hit, and he also had an extra season on there, but the Penguins were able to use a third party and get $2 million of that retained. That's fair. That's a good point. And even, even before that, I mean, for Jim Rutherford's sake, before he was traded... There was no reason to believe that he wasn't going to be able to succeed in Pittsburgh. Yeah, that, he was playing fairly well for the Ottawa Senators when the Penguins acquired him, and he was known as a playoff performer, whereas Granlin has none of that pedigree. Yeah, and not only that, Broussard has not only not only did he underperform at Pittsburgh, he went on to go uh, go other places and perform at the top of his game again. We don't know if we're getting that again from Granlin here. So... I just that little Derek Broussard thing came to mind right away, and you're right. Also, who we lost in Ian Cole, also not a great help to it. But yeah. Um. Other than that one, though, I have two here if you want to hear them. Uh, yes, just because I can't think of any right now. There, it's actually surprising how good a lot of the trade deadlines have been in the Crosby era. Yeah. Like how well it has worked out for the Pittsburgh Penguins. There aren't too many misses. Now, you can say individual trades, but headliner-wise, like, obviously the ones that come to mind, 2013, Jerome Aginla. Obviously, uh, 2011, James Neal, Matt Niskanen. Justin Schultz in 2017. Uh, 2009 was... Oh. Trying to remember. Chris Kunitz and Pascal, uh, Chris Kunitz. Yes. 2008 was Marion Hosa. 2007 was uh, Gary Roberts. Also in 2009, in that uh, that season was Bill Guerin. So like a lot of good, a lot of good trade deadlines for the Pittsburgh Penguins in the Crosby era. Brassard was a bad one. Grandland, as I've said, I think is the worst. 2014, it was Lee Stepniak. That's rough. Uh, but again, situationally, Lee Stepniak was on an expiring deal. He was a rental. So man, we'd take Lee Stepniak in right now, man. <laughs> we would take hey, that listen, player right now. I-, I was pumped for, for getting Lee Stepniak at that time. Now I didn't know as much about hockey at that moment because that was nine years ago. But, uh, yeah, Lee Stepniak as a headliner, that's questionable. But also, 2006 was the only other year that I would say that they had a worse headliner because they were sellers at the deadline in 2006 in Crosby's rookie year. So if you're saying that you could argue about three out of 18 years that he is maybe better than, and I would say he's not, but I can I can understand why people would say, you know what? Granlin's still better than Lee Stepniak. Let's pump the brakes. Uh, you could argue it, but I would say that he is the worst trade deadline headliner of the Sidney Crosby era. Yeah, you do have to take in the full, you know, the full, I don't know, the 
situation. Yeah, thank you. Situation. The full situation of the Lee Stepniak deal. Expiring deal. You said that was 14, like 13, 14? Yes. Is this a shortened year, or do I always get that wrong? No. The shortened year was 2012, 13. 2013, 14 was the year that uh, everybody cleaned house afterwards. Yeah, so 13, 14 was also just not the Penguins' best year. I mean, there was that trend of pretty bad playoff losses, and I think that year was one of them. Uh, they got a they got a series win, I believe, against Ottawa in the first round. Okay. Or no, 20, 2014, Excuse me. That was uh that was the Brian Gibbons year. Uh, Brian Gibbons against Columbus in twenty fourteen, and then they lost to the Rangers in the second round. Oh uh, yeah, actually, that was kind of a fun playoff round. <laughs> um, Listen, Brian Gibbons was the man, and we did push the Rangers to seven that year. So I think Bo Bennett also scored in Game One of that playoff season against Columbus, if I'm not mistaken. It was a five to nothing victory for the Pittsburgh Penguins over Columbus. I think Bo Bennett actually scored the first goal. I'd have to go back and check. <laughs> game one of the here, the, just because I have it up and this is a total tangent. Game one of the Columbus versus uh, Pittsburgh series, uh, first goal scorer Jack Johnson. Oh, okay. Well, Jesus. Wait. Oh, wait. Jack Johnson for Columbus. Yup. Yup. They shut him out in that one. Nope. Four to three victory. Uh, and Bo Bennett though did score a power play goal. Uh, to uh, bring because the, the Blue Jackets went up three to one. Bo Bennett scored to make it three to two, thus starting a big run to the to the victory. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, the 2014 playoffs. At least they got a series win in the 2014 playoffs. Is something we can't say about them over the past four seasons. But uh, no, since the trade deadline, the Pittsburgh Penguins their their statistics don't look great. They're six seven and one is their record. 20th in the National Hockey League in goals per game. They were 13th prior to the deadline. 26th in goals allowed per game since the deadline. Uh, 15th prior. 13th in, on the power play since the deadline. 14th before that. So a little little uptick there on the man advantage. Uh, but it does not help on the man disadvantage. The penalty kill is 26th since the trade deadline on March 3rd. It was 15th prior. And when you think about... Yikes. Where Mikhail Granlin plays, uh, he was brought in to help with the penalty kill. So that also goes against his record. But the Penguins need him to play better. Uh, that's basically the fact. They didn't practice yesterday, so we don't know where he's going to land in the lineup. We know that he's going to fall from the second line. I would imagine he ends up playing once again on the third line with Ryan Paling and Danton Heinen. But we're going to take a quick break. When we return, Crosby is on the chase for 1,500. We'll ask when... He could reach that milestone right after the break. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast. My name is Nick Berlansky. That's Nick Horwat joining me on the other side of the screen here. And Sidney Crosby is chasing down a number that only 14 other men have ever accomplished in the history of the National Hockey League, and that is 1,500 career points. He's currently six points away from that mark, which would, like I said, make him the 15th player in NHL history to hit that benchmark. With eight games to go, does he eclipse 1,500 on the season, Horwat? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's a pretty that that one is the simple answer of this. In the situation that this team is in as well, uh, it's 
not looking good for their playoff chances. They need the wins, and Sidney Crosby seems to be one of the few that can really will this team into a playoff spot. Um, I think he gets it. I don't. I if I was to wager the guess as to when it happens, I'm gonna say uh, at Detroit because why not cap the season off? The last home game is the next game, the April 11th against uh, the Blackhawks. Fan mm. appreciation night, I believe. I don't know. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. I'm not even gonna say too much about it. Maybe the shirts off their back thing is back. I don't know. But fan appreciation night, no less. All kind. It's the last home game of the year. Maybe we have a playoff spot by then. There's all. It, you know, the vibes will be high. Why not start the game <laughs> with the? So last game in Detroit, Sidney Crosby scored his 1500th point. Here to give him a plaque and this, that, and the other is this, this, then this. Why not have a yeah. Sidney Crosby ceremony to cap off the season? Because also. I think Penguin Awards happen soon, too, if they're still doing that, and if they still do game ceremonies for it. Why not just have vibes, right, guys? Come on, last game of the season, they're playing against the god-awful Chicago Blackhawks. Just Let's just close out the regular season with vibes, especially if we're not going to make it, too. Even There's even that in there, too. If they're not going to make it, why not try and end on as high of a note as possible? Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking it happens in Detroit. That's just my storybook ending per se mm-hmm. six points to go he would need to have at least two points per game for my scenario to happen but doesn't it just feel like anytime crosby's coming up on a milestone the flyers just sit there just <laughs> enough games down the schedule just waiting for it yeah my my yep. my scenario went up point per game i like your idea too of it being <laughs> well because after that game in detroit you know he's going to be more fired up because the entire team did not show up. And I talked about it on yesterday's Penguins to go. That's on him. Like, that's on him. That's on Malkin. That's on Latang, And that's on Sullivan. Like, if the entire team doesn't show up against a team that had lost 12 of their last 15 games. And you lose on the road in a pivotal game that could have really sat you pretty with two weeks to go in the season. And you just flat out don't show up. And you lose the game outright in regulation. That's going to eat away at Sidney Crosby. Coming back for a three-game homestand here, I feel like with the playoffs on the line, three games at PPG Paints Arena, I see Crosby going absolutely berserk. Um, Obviously, tonight's game is the response game. Saturday, he always gets up for Boston. Mm -hmm. And everybody has to. Like, you need to make the playoffs. Boston is looking to chase down history, so they're not going to come in and and take it easy on you. That's going to be, in my opinion a really, really pivotal game to the Penguins' playoffs. Because if they can steal a win against the Boston Bruins when they're chasing history, I think that's going to go a long way in getting them into the postseason. So with that in mind, I see Crosby, because he he scored his 500th goal against the Philadelphia Flyers. I see him getting number 1,500 against the Flyers as well. But also, if you want to bring the, uh, the celebration, the ceremony into it, the Penguins go on the road against the New Jersey Devils. Two days later, obviously they won't be doing that at Prudential Center. And then they play the Minnesota Wild on Thursday where good old buddy uh, Marc-Andre Fleury and general manager Bill Guerin will be in the house probably. I got one more for you. If all things go well, Saturday, that Sunday against Philadelphia is Crystal Tang's 1,000th game. Well, Forgot about that one. Yeah. I, I, I haven't been looking at game totals, but yeah, that would be something. His fifth... You know, I don't know. That, that'd be kind of mean because, like, 
Crystal Tang 1000th game. Obviously, there's going to be a lot of fanfare. Obviously, the ceremony is going to be there. Crosby scoring his 1500th. It's it's storybook in a season where there's been a lot of storybook things happening. I'm just picturing like... Crosby the Latang in overtime for 1500. The... <laughs> First of all, why are we in overtime against the Flyers? Well, you know, like we said, we're going... I'm, I was thinking storybook and that's where I went with You're it. You're right. But secondly, I'm picturing the photograph after the game. They're both holding their pucks. Like... Because here's the they, thing, too. They break it in half. You could do that. The <laughs> the Penguins are... They have a weird history of multiple... Uh, milestones occurring milestone. at the same time. Yeah, like... I think... Oh, what was it? I think, like, three players hit... It was like four, 500, 600, or... So, Mario and Ron Francis were two of them, and I think Joey Mullen all hit, like, mm. 100 like hundred of something on milestones on the same, de- on the same night. Mm-hmm. Um... I think there's another one that I'm forgetting. This could just add to it. There's a lot of fun that could happen in, on that flyer game if all goes well. Sidney um, Crosby would have to go on a tear, though, too. And all things have to go well for Chris Letang. And Two points what, a game for yeah. the next three games. It's not out of the realm of possibility, especially for Sidney Crosby, especially with the season on the line yeah. and games at home, too. Yeah, you're totally right. And then you're right about... It'll certainly... It'll certainly help if he scores three or four against the Predators tonight. That would that would be nice. Yeah, and then it certainly helped. And I like the idea of, can we get Flurry to be a part of the ceremonies? Are we allowed to do that? Uh, you I know mean, what? he'll be out on the ice, likely. Yeah. I mean, yeah, and I'm sure there'll be a little He hand. might be backing up because Philip Gustafson, you know, great Penguins former prospect, is also over in Minnesota. So, so. That, that could be a little, little fun little ceremony, too. Yeah, can we get Kalen Addison and Philip Gustafson to just come over and, and give Crosby his plaque? You know, what could have been for the Pittsburgh Penguins? No, I'm just kidding. I, I really like uh, Jason Zucker. But the other question I want to ask is, is this a little player projection here. Will Crosby score more or less next season than he does this year? Already at 85 points with eight games to go. Do you think he eclipses that in 2023-24? Well, let's see. So last year, he only had, 50, he only had 84 points. He's already surpassed his number from last year yeah but he was also injured at points last year in 69 games he did he did that last year in 74 this year is at 85 so i guess the rate is kind of dropping a little i would say i would say he does score less just because time hides from no one yeah um and this isn't saying that crosby's gonna go under a point per game or uh loses momentum but just maybe it's only slightly less mm. maybe the team has a little more help next year or in the same vein maybe he has a little um a little fire lit under him but i'm gonna roll with that it's gonna be slightly less just because uh ugh, gut reaction yeah with with 85 points already and we we just finished talking about how he's gonna go on the tear in the next eight games i said he was gonna have two points per game over the next three we're expecting uh, to so- at least get six more points to hit 91 so yeah yeah i don't know if he quite gets to a, I, I wouldn't project 100 points for Sidney crosby next season i don't know if i'd project 95 90s within the realm of possibility i do see him getting to at least 85 though oh yeah because uh, i also think you know whether or not you get a good general manager in here i do think the team will look better around Sidney crosby next season i think there's a little bit more room room to breathe especially if the cap ends up going up the $4 million that some people are projecting, I think there's more room to breathe. I think 
either Hextall gets his head out of his butt, which I wouldn't, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't put my money on it, or he gets fired, which I would probably put my money on it at this moment in time. I think the team around him is going to be better. I think that gives the opportunity for Ricard Raquel to either play the full season with Crosby or Brian Rust to have a bounce back season. Cause I, I don't think Brian Rust is going to have a year as, as bad as he has this year once again. So I think the team around him is better. I think the power play is, is better next season. Uh, there's a lot of reasons that go into that. So I think he gets at least 85 points. And the reason that's important to me is if he gets at least 85 points, that will put him into a tie for 11th all time with Ray Bork and bring him within 11 points of Phil Esposito for top 10 all time in NHL scoring. At the end of the day, that is, you know, the, the postseason streak is great. I know a lot of people are talking about it. I know playoff hockey is phenomenal, and we've been we've been blessed as fans, as reporters, as media members, as just hockey observers to watch this team over the past 17 years. But Sidney Crosby at least getting into the top 10 of point scoring all time, that's something that I would say is a better feather in the cap for Crosby's career than 17 years straight in the postseason. I mean, it's... Six in one hand, half dozen in the other. They're both tremendous accomplishments. One is more of a, a solo accomplishment. One's more of a team accomplishment. You know which one Crosby would choose. But I think he at least eclipses that 85 and pressures Phil Esposito for top 10 next season. Yeah, and that's just next season. Remember, he's got, he'll got he have years after oh, yeah. that too, which is even more fun. I for yeah, sure... He at least has one more on his contract. Yeah, I, I for sure agree with you that one day he will be in the top 10 of scoring. Like That's just bound to happen. Yeah, uh, it's a matter of when. I mean, I, like I said, I like the idea of it being next year, where we could be having the same sort of discussion next season. Of you know, he's not chasing down fifteen hundred, but maybe he's looking at we have like maybe like five games left. All right, he's this many away from Esposito for top ten. When does he do it? Like we could have this same discussion again next year, and we don't know what the team yeah. looks like. We don't know how things have gone, but uh, this dis- this is the sort of formed discussion that we could have again, and that's exciting with a player like Sidney Crosby that, um, yeah, we've been blessed to watch him and his team play in the playoffs for 16 straight seasons. Do we want to see mm-hmm. it again? Absolutely. But there is more to Crosby that, as much as he is as a team-driven guy, <laughs> watching him solely alone play hockey all these years has been a blessing too. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know why, but but what you just said there kind of sparked a question in my mind. It's a very sports radio-esque question, not really a podcast question. Uh, something you might hear on 93.7 The Fan because they love their Steelers. But if the Pittsburgh Penguins are able to pull out one more Stanley Cup victory in the Crosby era, maybe not this season, maybe next season, they get six total championships. In my head, I could never imagine the Pittsburgh Penguins tying the Pittsburgh Steelers in championships. But I think you could argue that they are much closer. I'm not saying they're close to a championship right now because this team is not a championship team. But you could argue they're much closer than the Pittsburgh Steelers. I just, I don't know. That's a weird thing. Do you think the Pittsburgh Penguins could ever overtake the Pittsburgh Steelers as number one in the city of Pittsburgh? Uh, oh, no. First of all, no. Just That's just the way the cookie crumbles here. And nothing against the Penguins in that situation. We just... I mean, me and you are good friends with Noah Strackman. We know what Steelers media, and we know what this yeah. city, and because the Steelers is a worldwide phenomenon, really. Every, yeah, the Steelers are king. Every state has a Steeler bar. Every state in the union, every, a lot of countries have Steeler bars. Like it's it, it's a worldwide thing. It's a little different. But, 
but I could see a time where, uh, you know, the hype looks better for the Penguins than it does for the Steelers. And another thing, um, oh, what was I going to put at? I don't even remember. Continue with your laughing thought. Uh, the Union? Every state in the Union. You never Dearest heard that mother- saying? I've heard that saying from, like, Civil War reenactors. <laughs> like, the, the Union. Dearest mother, I, I write home from from the battlefields like that that's uh, what the union how old are you horwan i know baseball is coming back and it gets everybody into like a nostalgic kind of mood everybody loves to talk about baseball like the 1920s eh uh but like the union got me i don't know why so i would say are you mad that i used just another term for the united states like <laughs> no i don't care like a great vocabulary I, I i applaud you horwat but the union just threw me off it's a little early in the morning to be throwing civil war era-esque terms at me <laughs> get mad to be completely honest i i'm not mad no you're good i'm um, not mad i'm not even disappointed horwat oh I'm yeah not. and i remember the follow-up to it is pretty much were you i thought you were going to go down the line of which team in this city is closest to their next championship, which I'm sure it gets asked every offseason by every team. And at this very moment, I would say, honest to God, the correct answer might be pit football. Like, it's... Or basketball, sorry. Yeah, well, no, you see, pit basketball, great season. I don't want to... You're putting me in this position, and I kind of hate it. I don't want to dunk on pit basketball, but because they just had, like, a phenomenal season, the best basketball season for Pitt that I can remember in a long time and most people can remember in a long time like maybe even a a decade but that is such a difficult sport to win a championship like if you're talking about ACC title then yes but if you're talking about like March Madness run the gauntlet that is that is difficult like obviously like we've seen Cinderella's this year and teams that were unexpected even though they're really good like FAU, go, FAU. Kansas State went a, went went a great run this year but like for Pitt to go and win a national championship in basketball that is another level that they need to take and it's just i would say it's probably and, and same thing with college football like we know who's going to win the championship in college football it's going to be one of Alabama, Clemson, Georgia or maybe a surprise Ohio State or Michigan one year. It's whoever like, the writers decide they want in. Yeah, and even when it expands, that's what it's going to be. So, like, I would say it comes down to, and honestly, you could argue the Pittsburgh Pirates. I'm not going to, even though I'd love to. Like, 2025, Horwat, oh, that's going to be true. that's going to be our year as Pirates fans. Uh, but on a more realistic note, uh, so I don't get egged by the public... I would say it's probably still the Penguins. Okay. You're probably right, too. Yeah. I so. Mean, yeah. I'm sure, like I said, I'm sure that's a question that gets asked every offseason. Like, once every offseason starts for every team. Just, it's the triannual. If that, is that what that means? If you have it three times a year? I don't know. It's the triannual question in this town, right? Which sports team is the next to win a championship? Because this is what we, that's the standard in this town. I get we're not like Boston with, who has results, but. That is still the standard in this town. After all, it was the city of champions for a long time. Steelers mm. with their six, Penguins with their five. I believe if they win a sixth, are they not the winningest um, expansion franchise? Isn't it only five? I believe so. So there's that to so. live up to. Um, yeah. And then... Because the Oilers only have the four. And I think the Islanders only have the four. Yeah. So I believe we would be. I digress. I oh, think well. um, it's a 
It is a very deep philosophical question, and honestly, the answer might be the college teams. But that being said, I I would I would go Pirates before I go to the college teams. That's hilarious. I would listen. That's, all right, that's you so know funny. what? I, I agree it's with you. Opening, I just think it's funny. It's opening day. My hopes are high. I know this team is going to hurt my my feelings probably as early as tomorrow They're, when they lose to. The, one of the youngest starting pitchers on opening day in Cincinnati Reds history who they're facing today. I know they're probably going to let me down and disappoint me. I hope they don't, but, you know, that's the life of being a Pirates fan. That's why I have that, you know, that picture of pain with the Pirates P saved on my phone as probably my number one usage for, for social media pictures. But I got to buy that shirt. I do think that they do have, I mean, they have young talent. The only question is, like, does this management ever give enough of a crap? to pay for a winning team. And I don't know if that's possible, but you know, Dylan Cruz looks fun. Make sure that you pick him number one overall pirates, because if not, it's just going to be more pain. Um, I'm also excited for AJ Burnett to return for, for opening day PNC. So yeah. that's cool. So um, Crosby's chase for 1500. Uh, yeah, we went on. Um, it'll happen this tangent. week. Slight tangent. Uh, but nonetheless, we're going to take a quick break when we come back. It's the two-week warning of the NHL season. We'll talk about what the Penguins need to do to get in. I just want to go on record yes. at saying that this is what happens when you cancel practice, Mike Sullivan. <laughs> you give us... Fewer storylines, you give us fewer things to talk about, and all of a sudden we revert back to the 1920s and even earlier, like the 1820s, and then we start talking about the Pittsburgh Pirates winning a World Series. Like, this is what happens. This is the consequences, Sully, when you cancel practices with two weeks to go in the regular season. This is what happens when you give me a day off. Like, <laughs> Yeah, my, my brain wanders and, and, and I lose focus, and you know what? I blame Mike Sullivan. Added on the list, I blame Mike Sullivan. Now, regardless, this is the Tip of the Iceberg podcast brought to you, as always, by InsideThePenguins.com. There are two weeks remaining, Horwat, in the NHL regular season, which makes me very sad mm -hmm. because, on one hand, with the end of the NHL regular season comes the NHL playoffs, and the first two weeks of the NHL playoffs are my Christmas. Like, my favorite sporting time of the year is that. I also like watching the NBA playoffs. I think that's a cherry on top for the, for the second side, but... The NHL playoffs are where it's at, and especially in round one. Some people say round two is better because the matchups are better, the teams are better, they both got a series win. But to be able to sit down and watch four playoff games a night, that is my nirvana. So two weeks until that happens, but it also means that, you know, 16 teams are done for the season. It means hockey is coming to a close. So those intrusive thoughts get into my head during my happiest time. But, you know, that's just how millennials brains work at this point i guess um but with two weeks remaining how many games will the pittsburgh penguins need to win to reach the stanley cup playoffs i mean that's you get you could get philosophical here right you could say they need zero and then hope everyone else also what? gets zero uh they're gonna okay. need to win games though right they're gonna need to win a couple it's that's that's first that's a fair <clears throat> statement yes so we have eight remaining. Back-to-back uh, -back with Boston, Philly. You're going to need to win, I would say, six. 
I would say six. I know that's a tall order. But not only do you want to win those games to solidify a spot, but you have to look good heading in. I'll knock it down to five. How about that? I'll knock it down to five. You got to win five. You got to get ten more points. It's not the magic number of 100 points for a season, but... I mean, they that, can't reach they it. They can't reach They'd have to win out. Oh, they'd have to do more than no, win out. No, they can't. They're not getting it. They, they'd have to do more than win out? Yeah, they'd have to go back and beat the Detroit Red Wings on Tuesday. Yeah, well, guess what? That being said, uh, I'll give them five. You gain ten more points. Maybe an overtime loss in there. Maybe two overtime losses in there. You gotta get mm-hmm. every point possible. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say five. You give us 92 points. I like where that sits. Um... Again, I, I, Florida's just a point back, <clears throat> so who knows what happens there. But I would say at minimum five, and that's yeah being really generous. Yeah, I, it feels like they're going to need to hit at least 92 to 94 points to clinch a playoff spot. And, and right now, they don't control their own destiny when it comes to the New York Islanders and Wild Card 1. Uh, the Islanders do control that now, even though the Penguins have two games in hand. The five-point separation it really hurts the Pittsburgh Penguins. I, I, again, I cannot understate how bad that loss was on, on Tuesday for the Pittsburgh Penguins in this playoff seating. But when you look at the remaining schedule, you know to get 92 to 94 points, it's five to six wins. When you look at the remaining schedule, in my eyes, it's it's kind of, I was going to say quartered off, but again, we're going to the, the, the triples. It's it's cut off in threes. Um I think you have, obviously, the three-game homestand that you're, you're starting l- later this evening. Nashville, Boston, Philly. You need four of the six points against those teams. Whether that is you steal, like, you need to either beat the two bad teams or you need to steal one from Boston. You need four of six points over the next three games. Then you have New Jersey and Minnesota, two playoff teams. I think you need to win at least one of those games or get two points. If you lose an overtime of both those games, I think you can survive with that. You'd like to win, but you need at least two or four points from New Jersey, Minnesota. And then the last three are really against teams that obviously we know now that no game is a given with the Pittsburgh Penguins. This team is volatile from period to period, not just game to game. But finishing the season at Detroit versus Chicago at Columbus, you should win at least two of those games. Yeah, you should. (laughs) I think five to six is well within the realm of possibility. But the Penguins just need to show up and not do what they did against Detroit on Tuesday. Yeah, and they need to get an upper hand on Detroit. I know we're not going to see them in the playoffs or anything like that, but dear God, you need something to build morale on, right? you got to take a win against Detroit just to like feel good about yourselves. You have, I mean, you don't have the chance anymore, but you had to take uh, a win over, you know, an extra win over Carolina, or a win over Carolina, maybe an extra win over the Rangers. You have a chance with New Jersey still to kind of find your footing. Um, I think you got to get morality wins too. This isn't just a matter of catching points for the postseason, but like feel good about yourself heading in. Uh, yeah, yeah. If you go, if you go into the, if you back into the postseason, you'll get what basically we saw with the Nashville Predators last season, which was just completely overmatched and never had a shot at even really taking more than one game against the Colorado Avalanche. They were also down to their third string goaltender, a situation that happened multiple times in the playoffs last year, but. For the Pittsburgh Penguins, like I said, five or six wins out of eight is probably necessary to make the playoffs. Because, yes, you can scoreboard watch, but you don't want to leave it up to other people. 
Ask the Pittsburgh Steelers how fun it is to leave it up to the New York Jets versus the Miami Dolphins and Joe, like Joe Flacco versus Spencer Thompson was his name, I think, for the Dolphins. Like you needed to have a rooting interest in that game to make the postseason. It's not fun. It's not smart, obviously. You don't want to leave your fate in somebody else's hands. So they need to take care of business, get five to six wins. If they do that, I feel pretty confident that they are going to make the postseason. But man, the Florida Panthers, I mean, they got that win last night with Alex Lyon in net. So they're they're a team that despite the quick four-game skid that they had, that's the only reason the Pittsburgh Penguins are still in the position they are. They're a team that's not going to be, you know, taking themselves out of it. At least I wouldn't expect them to. But at the same time, you know, there's a reason all these teams are fighting for playoff positioning. It's because, you know, they haven't been consistent all season long. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yep. Well, we'll see what the Penguins are able to do on game one of their three-game homestand later tonight against the Nashville Predators. Revenge game for uh, Mikhail Granlin. Whatever, for what it's worth, we'll see what he's able to do. But uh, that's going to do it for this one. We'll see you guys next time. Yeah.